This time on Matters. High-end audio. I remember a friend. All this and more on this exciting episode of Matters. His name is Matt. His name is Matt. And that's all that matters. Yeah. Welcome to Matters, where two guys named Matt talk about what matters to you. I'm Matt Noss. With me at the table is my best friend in the whole wide world. It's Matt Rose. Hey, what up? Hey, buddy. How are you? Uh, <laughs> let's talk about it. Let's yeah, let's talk about it. Uh, before the uh, podcast started, my uh, good friend, Lauren Koslowski, who is also the host of Roach, Roach Coach, Coach that I happen to be on, ordered a t-shirt from a Limp Biscuit meme lady <laughs> on Facebook, and the... <laughs> Picture is of the Sistine Chapel, uh, but remove Adam and replace him from the hip hop b boy stanced guy from Significant <laughs> Other. And I showed it to Matt, and his disappointment was palpable. Uh, I, th- I think I just said, like, oh, Jesus. And then I started to laugh, and then you were like, let's do this. And you hit record. <laughs> you ambushed me. I did. I did. Matt. Are you like me and thinking, why did they make this Lion King? Uh, yeah, I did. Did Aladdin do well? No, yeah, eighteen million dollars in its opening weekend. Oh, Jesus, that's bad. That's real bad. That's real bad. You got fifty-five million for Lion King in its opening weekend, which is the best of all the live-action Disney movies. Yeah, they should just stop. Stop doing. Stop doing yeah, just them. stop. Like I, I, I think that uh, I like a lot Eric. Of- I think that Eric Henke's um wife, mm-hmm. like uh, I think that she liked. The I think she liked live Beauty, action Beauty and the Beast. I think she liked the Beauty and the Beast. I think most people liked the Beauty and the Beast, but I also feel that the Beauty and the Beast lent itself the best to a live action version because there was the, like yeah because there was less uncanny valley yeah. possibilities. Like the Beauty and the Beast house artifacts still looked cartoonish, mm-hmm. and it worked. This Lion King. It is awful. It yeah, is. It, it just. No, I don't. I don't want to. I, I mean, I'm. It's. This is obviously not the. I am not the target demographic for this movie. No, and it's going to make a pile of money. It's not. Yeah, it's. Yeah. It, let me not bullshit myself and not know that this is a cash grab. Yeah. Yeah. But well, they got to pay for the Marvel movie somehow. <laughs> hey, baby, those those pay for themselves. Mm-hmm. That is like um, <laughs> that. That is like the Federal Reserve. They just print that fucking money, man. <laughs> it is crazy how much money those made. Yeah, I uh, the well, opening I mean, weekend was what like what of Spider Man? No, well Spider Man, sure, but the last. Are you talking one, about Endgame? Let's see. Uh, yep, Avengers. Oh, Endgame was ridiculous. Endgame uh, opening weekend. Let's find out right here, right now. I think it was like 300 million or something. That's what I would think was. Oh, wow. It was within $7.1 million of Avatar. Um, it made. Yeah, great. I mean, I think it's a little. Uh, I don't like it when movies aren't adjusted. <laughs> right. Because like Avatar tickets were less. Just trust me, they were less. <laughs> the first week it was released, April 26th through the 28th, first weekend, 
three hundred fifty-seven million. Oh, wow. I'm up by fifty-seven. One hundred fifteen thousand seven dollars. Mm. That is bananas. That is, and the production budget on that film was probably like two hundred. I believe maybe? was. I believe the production budget was three hundred fifty-six million. Oh wow! So it made its money back in the first week. Made its money back in the first weekend. Yikes! Well, you got to figure for Endgame. You now have made a franchise. Uh, like twenty six movie franchises. Twenty six <laughs> movie franchises where everybody has renegotiated their contract. Yeah, and I mean, you have all pretty much all the main characters from all the movies, except for the ones that died. Um, yeah. I mean, that's it's pretty nuts. And have you seen it? I've not seen it okay. yet. Well, when I get it, I'll let you watch it. Well, <laughs> Into the Spider-Verse is now on Netflix. So oh, right. I'm right. going to watch that. Oh, that, it is so good. That's what I hear everybody says. It says, everyone says. Not to, not to sell out Chad, but Chad and I went and saw it. And at the end, he, he teared up a little bit because I, I looked over and he like, did the wipe. Um, because the ending was just everything about the movie was so spot on and like it's so rare that you go and see a movie and it's exactly what you wanted kind of perfect for where you want it to be yeah i mean just there wasn't there wasn't an off moment there wasn't a flat note yeah it just hit on everything the animation was great uh the voice acting was great everything was great and the the post-credit scene is so great well i'm excited for spider ham you know yeah i mean uh, (laughs) john mulaney as spider ham is great uh i i was excited like other people were like i don't get it what's why is that why is that pig dressed like a spider and i was like that is peter porker and it's spider ham <laughs> like i was indignant with these people and they were like calm down crazy person or we'll call the police i will not calm down no, you will learn you don't get it you don't get it i'm not crazy you need to learn yeah that's how i feel about most things now <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm like, yeah yeah <laughs> i'm now at that point of age where i don't know what like it used to be in your 30s that you would have older people around you that would get what you're talking about Mm -hmm. and younger people by a couple years would at least have heard of it Mm -hmm. i am now entering full on what what? yo matt (laughs) oh matt i nope i understand fully uh (laughs) Like I always just have to preface it now with like my my joints are dust. I'm yeah. as old as time. Uh, if you Google, there will be my best friend was a dinosaur when I was a child. <laughs> Me and him played together. Maybe you saw the hit Pixar film. It was not a hit. That movie did very poorly. What? Uh, the Pixar Disney. Yeah, it was a, it was a Disney movie, not a Pixar movie. I thought that was. I thought the dinosaur was a Pixar movie. It wasn't a Pixar movie. Uh, remember that Disney animation. So like the um the Frozen movies? Right. Our Disney animation. Those are Disney animation. It was worked on by a lot of the same people, but it was not a Pixar movie, at least not to my knowledge. 
We're going to check it right now. We're going to see if they brand it. It might have been a Disney animation movie that they branded. The Good Dinosaur or something The Good like Dinosaur that? is what I think it is. Let's find out together. Here it is. The Good Dinosaur is a 2015 American 3D animated drama adventure film produced by Pixar and released by Walt Disney Pictures. Well, there we go. Yeah, so I would say that uh, Pixar didn't... It's not Pixar's Mm -hmm. this. It's uh, Disney Pixar. That's probably why... That's probably how they got around like a lot of the stuff by just letting the Pixar people working on it. Like, that's how it was produced by Pixar. Or maybe John Lasseter... Um, I don't know, produced it or something and then probably groped people because he's a piece of trash, but Yeah, what a shame. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's it's no surprise. Almost everybody's trash. So <laughs> you're all fucking trash people. Yeah. I'll tell you what uh isn't trash. Coco. Oh man. Oh dude, Coco is so good. If you want to watch me cry. Yeah, no, uh, I I was watching it at my parents' house. I was watching it with my mom. And like it, it, it gets to the end, and I just, I just got up and I walked into the kitchen to get a drink, <laughs> and I, then I just stayed there for a while because I was afraid my dad would come in. So I like had my drink, and it's just like, just fight it, just fight it. Don't let them see you cry. Oh God! No. Like my mom, I don't really care about, but no, like at while my- I was home with Rosemary. While Catherine was out of town mm-hmm. and I was on Netflix and I was like, I've heard this is great. Yeah, yeah. And I put it on. Like 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I put yeah. it on and I'm watching it and I can't watch it in order. So like I, I keep having to rewind it and watch mm-hmm. it and rewind it and watch it. So now I've like really seen this yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, you know everything. Yeah. And I feel like it's been forever. So the, by the time they get to the big reveal, the big twist of the movie. Yeah. um with um why it's called coco Mm -hmm. you get there and it is like (laughs) yep no and and it's it's funny that you make that noise because i made that noise in the theater when i saw big fish man And i'm holding my daughter like weeping yep (laughs) (laughs) and i i don't cry for long I, i don't know why i fight it like i just I don't know. I, I feel like it's such a... <laughs> you were afraid Rosemary would judge you? Is that Yes. I mean, like... She cries all the time. <laughs> I don't know why I fight crying, but I do. I don't. I got. I, I just gave it up. <laughs> I don't... Like, I don't... Well, I remember when we had Garrett on the show, mm-hmm. and he talked about, like... <laughs> oh, how he would cry at, like, uh, when they would show the people who were getting drafted? Yes. <laughs> like like those moments, those sports moments would yeah. make him cry. And of course, we talked about the miracle on ice, um, <laughs> which of course Catherine delights in that it makes me cry. Um, she's like, "Hey, look what's on, Matt." I'm like, God. "Don't do it." And it's always like, <laughs> it's always like that weird. Like, it it is such a weird noise. It's like a weird reflex that you make because I think th- I'm I'm positive that i've talked about this a million times but whatever oh at the uh, end of life is beautiful no no not you um when i went and saw big fish oh yeah with, yeah, with yeah, yeah. and it it gets to the end and you see danny devito get out of the car with the twins and you see all that stuff and you're like wait you mean the dad w- <laughs> and I, it was supposed to come out like huh so his dad wasn't lying and it just came out of <laughs> 
and then and then oh. I just became a basket case. <laughs> and oh, like I, I am like <laughs> yeah, I am biting my lip and like blood. <laughs> I mean, not literally, but like I expected blood to be just running down my face. I was biting my lip so hard, and like I think Gaia might have had like a tear or two. And then she looked over at me, and it's just <laughs> like Niagara Falls on my face. And like I pulled my hat all the way down, which then after that became known as my crying hat. <laughs> and I just, I just sat there for like the next ten minutes with my hat pulled all the way down, so I looked like I was probably gonna try to assassinate somebody. Um, <laughs> like we waited for most of the theater to clear out so we could leave. It was it was bad, Matt. Oh, God. It well, was bad, and I mean, at least it wasn't your dad farting at the end of Hot Shots Part Two. <laughs> that's, that's very true. Were you with us when we saw X Men Two? Maybe uh, we saw it, and someone thought that they could squeak one by, and it was huge. And <laughs> it was like he picked the worst time for this. And it, he figured like, oh, there's going to be a big noise soon. And he let it out and it was loud as fuck in the quietest part of the movie. And people started to applaud him. Well, you got... He got, Matt, he got people... He got the entire theater <laughs> applauding him and like whooping and stuff. And when it quieted down, he was sitting in back of us and his wife goes, <laughs> No one knows who was you. Loudly. <laughs> well, I mean, we could hear her. She just goes, It's okay. No one knows it was you. Oh my god. We laughed so hard. Oh I don't I don't think I was with you. No, oh my god. It was so great, Matt. It was so great. Oh god, no one knows it was <laughs> And when I say that people like the entire theater erupted in applause, <laughs> that's how loud it, it was. was. Like, Honk. Oh, it was it wasn't that short. This was like a good five or six seconds. And I'm surprised that people did not give him a standing ovation. <laughs> oh, God. It was so funny. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, Anything on your mind right now? Yeah. What's up? <laughs> I'm sick of my friends dying. Oh, fucking hell, dude. Yeah. I, I found out over the weekend... That the man who has taught me judo for, geez, almost twenty years, uh, passed away on Thursday. He was he was suffering right from cancer. I no, it, it it turns out that it wasn't cancer. I'm I'm not going to get into what it actually was. He went into the hospital for what was supposed to be a routine thing. Never came out. Jesus. And his his mom had died two weeks previous to that, two or three weeks previous to that, and. I found out after his mom's funeral, so I didn't get to go to the funeral. Um, cause a guy that I know from judo, uh, he 
emailed me. He didn't he didn't text or call me to let me know that Jerry's mother died. Um and so I didn't know about it until that weekend when I just offhandedly checked my email because I don't check my email that much. And I wasn't really sure what to say. Like, I didn't want to call and just be like, hey, sorry, I missed it. I, I didn't know what to say. And so I was going to get like a sympathy card and I just didn't, I just didn't get it yet. And then I checked my email on Sunday, I think. Sunday or Saturday? No, Saturday. And it said that Jerry died. He died on Thursday. So I feel terrible that I didn't get to talk to him, you know, after his... his I, I'm, I feel bad that I didn't get to go to the funeral. I, you know, I, I feel bad that I didn't get to see him before that. I haven't seen him, geez, since I worked for CDH. I went over to his house... Because uh, I used to help him with whenever he would have like computer trouble, I'd go over there and help yeah. him. Yeah, and it w- I I remember it was after Halloween because I was listening to episodes of Transmissions where we reviewed Lake Nowhere. Oh shit! Yeah, I remember that. And or so maybe that wasn't maybe that wasn't after Halloween. Maybe that was before Halloween because we were doing like weekly right like bonus. We were episodes doing bio weekly. Yeah, yeah, we were or doing, two a week. Yeah, we were doing. We were crazy. Oh, nuts. Yeah. Um, but, you know, then, like, I talked to him on the phone once or twice after that. But I, you know, I just, I wasn't going out to Shelby Township where the new dojo was. So I didn't get to see him. I feel really bad about it. You know, I used to go out to Mount Clemens. You went all week. the time, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for... Over a decade, I would go for longer than that, you know, for probably 15 or 14, 15 years. I was driving to Mount Clemens twice a week to go to judo. And then, you know, sometimes I would go to Birmingham on Fridays where he would also teach. Um, But then it just became more convenient for me to go to another dojo. So that's where I was going. So... But they all knew each other, right? I mean, it was oh yeah. I mean, every everybody in the area knows each other. So when I went to judo on Monday, like everybody knew. I just feel really bad. You know, if it wasn't for Jerry, I wouldn't have really learned judo. You know, I learned judo in college, and I came back to the area, and I I think it was Eric who really pushed me to find a place in this area. Um, I can remember the first time I ever talked to Jerry. Um, I I went to Mount Clemens, and I was... Because like, he was teaching at the Y there. Yeah, he was teaching at the, the Northern Macomb Y. And so I was sitting outside. This was when the dojo was in a different area in a building, and, and I was sitting outside, and a couple there was a couple guys in judo geese, so I was like, oh... This is obviously the people waiting for judo. So I sat down and this was, this was before Jerry got his red and white belt. So he was still just wearing his black belt. Um, and I asked him if <laughs> I got the name wrong. I asked him if he had, he had ever heard of this Jerry Yee guy. <laughs> and he was like, Jerry, Wee, yes. And I was like, <laughs> what do you think of him? And he was like, I think very highly of him. He's me. <laughs> 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 um, but 
I I can remember <laughs> the the first couple times you know like I worked out with Jerry. Um, you know, I had I I just had terrible judo, and I would do things wrong, and Jerry would look at me when I did it, and then I'd do it again, and he'd look at me again, and like maybe squint his eyes a little bit. <laughs> And then, like you know, when you do it three times, that's when Jerry's like, "All right, well, I'm gonna correct you because <laughs> this is obviously a pattern." Um, and my foot sweeps were kicks at that point. Uh, I think some people would still argue they still are, but um, I like kicked him three times in a row. So he kicked me back, and and I looked at him, and he was just like, "Huh?" <laughs> and that's when he was just like, "You're you're kicking me. You're not sweeping." You sweep like this and you turn your foot, you know, like a hockey stick. And that's where I learned it. And now that's primarily my go-to for anytime I fight anybody, sweep their feet. Well, yeah, because they're the most vulnerable. Well, but the the foot sweep is at the same time the easiest and hardest thing because anybody can do a foot sweep. But you have to have the timing. Otherwise, you're just kicking them in the leg. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And once you learn the timing, it's a piece of cake and you can do it to anybody. Big, small, doesn't matter. I've thrown people that are a lot bigger than me and people that are a lot smaller. Because all you have to do is just figure out when their weight's shifting from the one foot to the other and that's when you sweep and that's when they, they go. plummet to the earth. But if you don't catch it on that, then if you're going you to a then planted leg. Yep, either that or you whiff. So... <laughs> you have to have that timing down. So I'm always, I'm always telling people because like where I where I teach now, you know, they they say, "Hey, oh, you want to learn foot sweeps? Talk to Matt." So they'll come over to me and Sensei Matt, can you teach me this? And it's like it's Matt Sensei, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I, I wouldn't have any of the throws that I have. I I wouldn't have gotten my secondary black belt if it wasn't for Jerry. So I. I, I remember feel, you told me the story of when he, for the second degree black belt, how he <laughs> prepped you for it. Well, I, well, what's, what's the story that you remember? Cause I have so many stories that I, well, he, it was that you didn't think you were ready is the story I remember. Like, Oh, I never thought I was ready for any of my tests. And he was like, he put you against somebody or he sparred you against somebody who was quote unquote higher or something like that. Oh no, no! What it was is someone someone came to the dojo that um, was talking about how like he was an international competitor and he he wanted to go to the Olympics and and stuff. And I mean, you know, Jerry had taken his daughter to the Olympics. She was an alternate in the '96 team. And what he, you know, what he wouldn't be able to coach Mr. Saito would. So between the two of them, they'd put him there. And so you know, he told him to come down. <laughs> And the guy came down and Jerry, you know, was kind of asking like the pedigree, right? Like, well, who was your instructor and this and that. Um, and then he kind of it was like out, instantly found out who the instructor was. And then it was just like the expectations fell on the toilet. And he was like, oh, um, but, you know, the guy still said that he competed internationally. And then uh, they had him work with the kids and he was like way too rough with the kids, which is a bad sign. If you have to like bury kids and make them cry, you're not. You you don't understand control. Uh, and so, you know, his daughter Emily asked him several times nicely to be more careful with the kids. <laughs> and then, and this was, I think, I was a green belt at this point. 
Jerry was like, Matt, go Randori with him. And so, because, you know, this guy was wearing a black belt. And so I was used to the black belt beating the shit out of me. And that's the way it should be, right? Well, I mean... Generally, the, well, the, some of the, the some of the you, some of the black belts there were really rough and would would just bury me into the mat for two hours, and it was it was rough. But you know, they also would be like, "I, I give you a lot of credit for taking the beatings that you take." <laughs> Anyhow, um, <laughs> thanks, champ. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, like the one guy, Todd, was just like, "Look, dude, like I, I outweigh you by like seventy pounds, and you get back up every time, and that's got to be rough." Like. You stay here until after everyone leaves and, it, you know, you just you take a beating and you get back up and you get better. And that, you know, that's really hard because, um, I mean, at this point, I think I weighed 150 pounds and this guy was like a good 210 oh uh, and he was a neat on. He was and know, he was he was good. He would and he would just beat the shit out of me. But so that's that's the kind of guy that I was used to fighting. So when I would fight somebody, anybody that wasn't them. I came at them like they were Todd, like they were Jerry, like they were Emily, like they were so much better than me. And I get a hold of this guy and I just bounce him off the mat a few times. And it was like, all right, this guy, this guy's just feeling it out. And then I started to see fear on his face and it was like, wait, what's going on here? Oh, this guy is not feeling it yeah, out. Yeah, no, like the, this, this guy is not feeling it out. This guy is scared. <laughs> and then Jerry was like, okay, that's good. That was good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Basically. Yeah, and and then the guy, uh, the guy came up to him, um, after that, and it was he didn't know what just happened, uh, and then he was he was kind of asking, um, you know, questions about the tournament that was the weekend that I I competed at also, and he was like, "Am I going to have to compete against him?" And he was like, "Well, you'll have to compete against people in your own category and and in the black belt division." Do I have to compete in the black belt division? Well, are you are you registered with USGI, USJF, USJA? I I, I don't know. Then that's probably a no. <laughs> so I don't have to compete against him. No. Do you think that you want to compete in the black belt division? No. Do you think you want to compete in his division? No. Do you want to compete in the white belt division? I I don't know. That week I saw him and he competed in the white belt division and he still got beat. You know, the the guy, Jerry, was really cool because when he would see a guy like that and he would see his students go to tournaments and get beat, instead of embarrassing the guy, instead of doing anything like that, he would try to get the guy involved with judo, like the judo community. And so this guy that I'm thinking of, he did not have a legitimate godon. He didn't have a legitimate shodan. He didn't have a legitimate green belt. But Jerry and Mr. Saito were talking and they were like, we, we really need to bring him in so that his students actually have ranks and they can compete. Because some of them came and they didn't, they, they didn't have any ranks with USJI or, or A or F or anything like that. Um, I mean, now it's USA Judo, but at that time it wasn't. Um, and so they were just like, look, let's, let's try to bring them into the fold. And so they, they worked with the guy to try to get him an actual rank and stuff. Um, it was not what the rank that he wanted, but, you know, they, they worked with him. 
to get his students into the judo community and get them in. Because I imagine that it doesn't do them any good to have a loose cannon out no, there. No, it doesn't. It doesn't because then, especially if, if a you community are, that's that small, it it is it is fairly small. And I mean, I don't I don't want to make it sound like they were belt shopping because they <laughs> judo is really cool in that you can go anywhere in the world and you can say I want to see a sotogari, and it's the same. Right. Everybody knows a sotogari. USA judo. If you go to France judo or whatever. <laughs> They have the same tests. You have to be able to do X, Y, and Z when you're a showdown. And if you can't, you don't get your showdown. Period. And you have time and grade. You can't buy your belts in USA Judo or any of the Judo organizations that are tied to the Olympic Committee or tied to the Kodokan in Japan. You can't do it. I. It took me 10 years to get my showdown, and it took me five years to get my knee done. You don't just get a black belt in a year. And it's a practice. Yeah. You, you have what's called time and grade. And granted, I had to take like time off here and there for injuries and stuff. So 10 years is <laughs> it's fucked you up. It has. I'm crippled. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it, you have what's called time and grade uh, in between your, your belts under showdown. So when you're going to Sankyu, Nikyu, EQ, you you have to spend like so many months in that grade and you can lower that time and grade by competing and by helping with class and by doing all these other things. So because I always helped with class, because I did compete a few times, because I did get certified in kata and stuff like that, I reduced my time and grade for my Nidon. Um, and I, you know, that definitely helped with my showdown. But when I... <laughs> I was so nervous about my my showdown test that they fooled me into doing a practice test and then used that as my test where they're like, all right, we need you to do all the nagewaza. We need you to do, um, you know, uh, the arm bars and the chokes, pins and everything. So they would just say like, all right, I want to see Hanigoshi. I want to see Osotogari. I want to see Sayanagi. Um... And then, all right, I want to see you do Kesa Katami, you know, go through all the things. And then they're like, all right, well, uh, why don't you show us um, the Nage no Kata? And it's like, all right. So I, I worked with Mr. Saito's daughter, who was like a foot shorter than me, to do the Kata. Um. And then afterward, they were like, all right, good. And they added me a black belt. And I was like, ah, what? <laughs> what's going on here? Uh, but that's the, that's the one thing that's cool about Shodan is that they can actually do that in the dojo. They just have to have three black belts there. Um, and I mean, considering that it was Mr. Saito, who is an eighth degree black belt, <laughs> Jerry, who I think at the time was a sixth degree. And then Don, who I think was a fourth or fifth. There were no problems, especially since Mr. Saito and Jerry were both on like the promotion boards nationally and statewide. And they there was worked no with you now at that point for 10 oh, years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised that Mr. Saito didn't just throw a belt at me. Um, but yeah, you know, Jerry just kind of like pulled Don and, and uh, Mr. Saito aside and was like, hey, let's test him today. Does he want to be tested? 
I don't care. <laughs> it's over. We're yeah. done waiting. Yeah. So then, like, after I passed, they were just like, all right, that'll be, like, this amount of money. And, you know, like, they, they totally hoodwinked me, but I got my show done. So <coughs> that was cool. And then um, Jerry went with me for my need on. <laughs> and some of the people on the promotion board are known as sticklers. <coughs> so if you don't do it textbook Kodokan style, <clears throat> they'll ask you to do it again where that's just not the way it's done anymore. And if Mr. Sider was there, he would just kind of raise an eyebrow and they'd be like, uh, never mind. Uh, but Jerry was there and he was on the promotion board or he was like on the board where they were asking the techniques and he just turned to him and he goes, come on. <laughs> and that was it. I didn't have to redo it. Or he was like, no. <laughs> Uh, cause I mean like I could do like the, uh, the Shi'i version, the competition version of these throws, but some of them you don't do the textbook version. It's just not practical to learn it that way. But like I, I had, ar- <laughs> the cool thing is I had already been certified in the Kata, so I only had to do the, the examination, but, <laughs> and I mean, I know the guys that are on the board, so they, it's not like I don't get along with them. It's just that some of them are a little harsher than others in the grading. Uh, <laughs> but they, I was one of the first ones to go up and they reminded everybody before they start. I know that you've got your adrenaline flowing and I know that you want to impress the board, but remember your uke, who's the person you're throwing. Remember your uke and remember that they are going to be hitting the mat really hard, so don't overdo it. And they're like, all right, I want to see Ipon Sanagi. And it was like, all right, that's one of my favorite throws. And I bounced the guy like a foot in the air. <laughs> like, I threw him so hard. Because the guy the guy weighed less than me, too. Like, he was about my height, but he was less. And I just bounced him so hard that he came up, like, maybe not a foot. Maybe I'm exaggerating. But, like, a good six inches you at least. You bounced him. I bounced him. And... <laughs> <laughs> and the the guy just looked at me and he goes again and i was like i'm sorry and like i helped the guy up and i was like i'm sorry i didn't mean to do that and he like laughed and he was like i i volunteered to be your okay it's not a big deal but i just that first throw man i he was like a whip bar- i buried him uh and then afterward uh <laughs> Jerry and I went and got a Chinese buffet at Fuji. Like, we drove back from Lansing and we went to Fuji Buffet that's at, like, 14 in John R. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> I know that place. Yeah. I was there when the health department shut him down. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Did you just, like, spit your food out? Or were you like... No, we didn't pay for their food. Uh, <laughs> we heard the uh, health inspector say, you have feces on your floor. Oh, you cannot serve food. Oh, no. It was like, or the, you have sewage on your floor. You cannot, because I guess like a sewer vent or something oh, backed up. Oh, no. Like, Gross. you cannot serve food. Gross. Yeah. I think I think they're open now. Yeah, I think they're open now. They, they probably just. It might not even be, fu- it might have been Fuji at that time. It might have been something else. Oh. But it's same place, same place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same idea. Um, I mean, I you know when we went there, the food was all right. Yeah, um, but the I, food was great that day too. Don't let yeah, me. I didn't get like, sick. I I bought Jerry's meal. Like I I appreciated all the stuff that he did for me, and I just feel really bad that I, I never met him. 
Yeah, yeah. You, you know, didn't. it's crazy. Like that guy has been in your life for so long, and nineteen years, and I have never met the dude. Yeah, guy, um, I met him a couple times, but that was. Uh... And then Eric and Phil met him. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I felt so bad for Phil when he went with us, uh, or he went with me to judo. And Shrinji Kempo has like some judo techniques, kind of. Um, but they do them a much different way. And Jerry was so matter of fact and like plain spoken that if he saw something that was wrong, he would just say, that's wrong. And Phil, like I, I asked Phil to show me how they do Sayanagi and he showed me. And then Jerry was like, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> and Phil was like, that's how we do it in Trinity. He's like, I don't care. That's wrong. <laughs> And then, like, you know, I worked with, with Phil and I taught him some more judo stuff. And then, and I think that by this point, he probably had his showdown in Shrinji Kempo. So, you know, you, you don't think you're a slouch. And then you go to another martial arts dojo. And I think, like, he wore his white belt, you know, out of respect and stuff. And Jerry, I mean, Jerry was an international competitor. Jerry was really a good judoka. He knew his stuff backward and forward. And he just kind of played with Phil the whole time. And just when he wanted to throw Phil, he threw Phil, and there was nothing Phil could say about it. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, which makes sense. Jerry had been doing this since before Phil or I were born, you know? Um, but when when we left, just Phil looked dazed. And it was like, are you all right, Phil? And he was just like, I think. Thought that I was going to be able to stop him and I couldn't. And it was like, oh, we all feel that way. Don't worry. <laughs> like, you think, like, oh, I'm taller than him. I'm bigger than him. I'll be able to. Nope. Not in any way. That's what judo is. <laughs> um, and, you know, Eric came from the, the Aikido background and, and Jerry just threw him all over the place. And, you know, I think that, I think that Phil <laughs> wasn't expecting what Eric was. <laughs> Um, but now that like I actually I actually teach at an Aikido dojo, um, and I watch the stuff that they do, I'm not gonna say anything bad about Aikido. I'm just gonna say like I see all the things that I would do different, and it's like yeah, that's that's Jerry. Jerry Jerry lives on in all the people that he ever taught. Where I just I look at that and I just want to be like wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think there's any better way to honor him than that. Yeah, <laughs> but you know I. I just I see all the things that I do that Jerry did um when I'm teaching my students and <laughs> once in a while some of the other people that knew Jerry would just be like you learned that from Jerry? I did. Uh, oh, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Cuz uh we're, like we were talking to a guy last night Keith and uh Keith talked about the first time that he ever met Jerry. <laughs> And it was at Saito's, and uh, he was talking to Mr. Saito, because um, he wanted to do Neiwaza, which is like uh, when you're on the ground and you're trying to pin and choke an armbar. Um, and Mr. Saito was like, "You're st- this is like your second or third class. I just kind of want you to observe. Um, and so Keith was like, okay. And Jerry, like Mr. Saito turned his back, and Jerry was like, come here. <laughs> and then he just showed Keith chokes for like the next 10 minutes. <laughs> And Jerry had a way of 
teaching arm bars and chokes and pins where he would show it to you in a very practical way so that you knew what it felt like for the choke, the arm bar, or a pin where you were never going to get out. Um, he wasn't ever doing it to be mean or anything like that. He was doing it to show you the practicality of the technique. But people who did not understand that sometimes saw it as, you know, a, a different a different thing. And it's like, no, he's he's teaching you these techniques the way that, like, for one, he was taught. But also, he's teaching you these things so you understand the practicality of the technique. He's He has never done a mean thing in judo that I have ever seen. And, you know, I, I can't imagine that he ever did. He he is teaching you things practically. Like, whenever we would teach self-defense clinics, you know, he, he would teach things and he would never do anything to be mean ever. He was just, this is how you do it. This is where you put your arm. This is where you put the pressure. And this is how you apply the pressure. And this is how it feels. You know, if my, my problem when I see some other martial arts and they're like being gentle when they shouldn't be, that's when the Jerry in my mind goes wrong or like, what are you doing? That's not how you do it. You put your hand here and you put the pressure down. And like the, the best way that I can put it is Aikido is like the PhD and judo is like the plumber, like the, the working class guy who like, you know, still understands a lot of the things that the PhD does, but it has a practical, but they're, but they have the practicality that this person doesn't, you know? And I, you know, like I said, I'm not, I'm not dogging on Aikido. There's, there's very legitimate things that Aikido does. I just, I look at it from my judo sensibilities and it's like no i would just throw you i would just pick you up and slam you to the ground (laughs) (laughs) but i'm also not in the akio classes so it's you know it's easy for me to say that observing but uh yeah i'm gonna miss jerry jerry's was great i think we'll be back with more manners after this reached the part of the show where we talk about what we're into that is correct oh man do you have anything locked and loaded because i most certainly do oh i've got a million things what, what? Uh, well for one stranger things three i know what to do yet. well then i will refrain from talking about it i'm excited about it um here's how tv watching in the house is gone um Catherine and i have just finished world of dance from this year <laughs> okay 
Um, and we know we want to watch Stranger Things, but we might be watching American Ninja Warrior first. Okay. So that's fair. It's on the list. It will be watched. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Everything um, that I've heard, I've heard a eh all the way to best season. Loved it more than yeah. the um, first two. I I will admit that I was concerned the first couple episodes. Um, but it picks up. And there were yeah, the, I liked talking with Jen Hansen about it because she was watching it at the same time. And so she would say like, Hey, do you think this was a resident evil reference? Hey, do you think this was this or that? Um, so I, I, I enjoyed the third season overall. Nothing's ever perfect. Um, but I, I'm still wondering how they pulled some of the things off that they pulled off, but, uh, it is definitely a much different season than one or two, which it should be. It shouldn't be more of the same. Right. No, um, and I, I, th- I think the show should grow it because these kids are growing. Growing, yeah. Holy shit. Holy crap, right? Mike is just all arms and legs, man. <laughs> um, but... Uh, is that Finn Wolfhart? Yeah. Uh, I, I rewatched one and two um, before I started three. I loved one. Yeah, I loved one. I, re- I thought I really two liked, was great. Yeah, I really liked two as well. Um, I also uh, started Dark season two, but I haven't been able to watch it as much because like, I started the same week I started Stranger Things 3 and it was like, uh, what are you going to watch? Yeah, I mean, I, like I would, what I would do is I would watch like two Stranger Things and then one Dark um, is it but, still uh, only eight episodes or six episodes or Stranger Things? Stranger Things. Uh, it's like eight or nine, eight or nine. I I forget which. Um, uh, Dark is is somewhere along there, eight or nine or ten. I know Manhunter is coming back with its second season. It is soon in I'm, August. I'm, yeah, it's going to be about the what is it? The Atlanta child killings or something crazy. Um, but Dark is a lot to unpack. <laughs> it is, there, there's a lot going on. You have to pay attention to all these timelines and you have to pay attention to just a lot of stuff. So it's, I don't want to say it's not as much fun to watch. It's just, you have to pay a lot more attention. And since it's subtitled, you have to pay just a little bit more attention than that. Uh, but I'm, I'm looking forward to finishing uh, season two. Um, and then, uh, Young Justice season three came back, um, and that was that was pretty nuts. Um, and is Swamp this Thing, on the DC app? Yeah, uh, and then Swamp Thing is, I'm just mad that it's they canceled news. it after. I just mad that they canceled it after ten. I, I, they said it was too expensive. Yeah, it's just stupid. Well, they, that they weren't getting the incentives that they wanted from the state or that the state canceled the incentives and it would just be too much money. And it's like, how can you ever expect people to subscribe, subscribe to your service when you keep canceling your shows? But, what else did they cancel? Oh, just they'll, you know, they'll, they'll talk about doing this or that and then they stop doing it. Just, See, this is the thing. This is why I think, although we're seeing the stratification of uh, streaming services right now, I think this is what's going to kill them. Yeah. 
I it's this stuff. It's that they're just going to deviate the watching base too much. Yeah, and I mean, uh, yeah. I, and I'm not saying that Netflix will remain. I mean, it might be the Disney or the Apple or the Google solution that wins the day for streaming. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I watched this whole thing, and the truth is, nobody's innovating in the space no one the shows great yeah the shows are all great but if if only 10 percent of the population can watch them then you are failing and you know that was one of the things about broadcast tv everybody all they needed was rabbit ears and they could watch your show they didn't have to pay and now everybody is saying, oh, well, $5 here, $10 here, $15 here. Fuck, dude. <laughs> you know, at, at some point, especially when you're, when you're dealing with, like, new families and stuff, people are just going to say it's not worth it. Like, people cut the cord. Eventually, they're going to cut the streaming, too. Right. And they're going to be like, it's just not worth it. <coughs> if I were to be real... I think I have probably too, too many. Oh, really? Like, I never watch Amazon Prime. Oh, I watch Amazon Prime um, pretty frequently because they have a lot of, like, old horror movies and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I, I also, I watch Shudder. Shudder yeah, yeah, I watch Shudder. Well, I canceled Shudder. I don't have Shudder anymore. Um, I mean, Amazon Prime comes with Amazon Prime. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, like, you're, yeah, you're not going to cancel that i'm not gonna Um, cancel that so they got me there the and you guys watch a lot of stuff through hulu right so if i had to keep one right now it's google at youtube red oh right 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 because i swear i will never ever go back to youtube with commercials yeah yeah it's 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 irritating af it's too much that ten dollars a month Saves you a hundred dollars in time. Well, so my coworker was talking about how he has YouTube TV. Yes, I've heard about this. And it, it, what, like, what you can do because apparently it's like unlimited DVR and a million things. I mean, it's just all like in the cloud. Um, you just you can have like five different people on the account. So basically what it would work out to is like $10 a person and you get all these things. And like, I, I've kind of thought about it. Um, yeah. Cause it's $50 a month, right? Yeah. $50 a month. But if you have five people on the account and each person pays $10, you know, let's say that, that you, me, Jen, Jay and Phil all decided to go in on this we all get to record our own stuff it's unlimited we can all watch it at the same time and it would be ten dollars a month that's crazy yeah so i mean they you know i think that it's a good idea you just kind of need to get everybody in on it (laughs) Um, yeah like that's why i haven't signed up for it but i would say that i should cancel hbo now now because like you don't have Game of Thrones. Well, I mean, like, Chernobyl was outstanding. Yeah. And at the same time, I'm not going to HBO 
now that often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I watch HBO infrequently, but frequently enough where I'm not going to cancel it. It's but, it, but I'm just being like that eighteen dollars a month. What else could I do with it? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. that's like three quarters of a record, baby. Yeah, I was just gonna say it's like a record. Um, yeah. I mean, I I would say that I probably get my money's worth in a month. Yeah. But, um. Well, if I watched a couple movies, then boom. You know, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I do. I I. And their shows are great. I mean, uh, Big Little Lies. I've not watched, but I've heard great things. Yeah. And, I really, you know, I mean, we haven't really totally talked about Game of Thrones, the final season. Mm-hmm. I was glad I had it for that. Mm-hmm. So we'll, I digress. Yeah. Uh, and th- th- I would say the last thing that I'm into is uh, PUBG, man. This I've been playing strikes the me, fuck out of it. This strikes me so crazy. I cannot believe that you're into PUBG. Yeah. Players I, Unknown Battleground. Yeah. I... I I got into it on Saturday, I think. I, I was sitting back because they were working on my yard. Uh, I was having um, the side of my house regraded, so my basement stuff's leaking. Um, oh, shit. You know, they were working on my yard, um, regrading the side of my house. And so I was just kind of sitting in my air-conditioned house. <laughs> um, and I was I was looking through um, Game Pass to see like what I could get. And I got a platformer that I forget. I forgot the name of the thing. I'll tell you what it is later. Something about a knight. And it's got like a, it almost looks like a Ori, but yes. like a little more cartoony and, and black and white. Um, but uh, so I, I got a couple games and then I was like, you know, I, I play Hawken all the time. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play PUBG and 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 just see if I can get better. Because the first couple times I played it, I got killed within the first couple minutes, and I was like, I hate this game. I'm never playing this game again. Um, but so I I started playing it, and like I thought, like, hey, maybe maybe I'll get better at this game. And so I, jeez, I, I continued playing it, and I kept getting better and better, and. I'm by no means good at the game, but, uh, yeah, I, I made it to like, I was the fourth person, um, last night when I was playing and I was so mad because like I shot the other guy a couple times, but then like he shot me and I died. (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, like I, I, I kind of want to play with, um, a team, because playing with 98 other people and everyone is like out to snipe you, it would be nice if I had someone on my team that, just, that wasn't going to snipe me. Just one other person. <coughs> just one person who wasn't trying to kill me. <laughs> what are you into? Oh, buddy, this week... So I've I've been loving having the record player. I I know because every time I come over, you've got new records. On Sunday, I I bought I bought the Oh Brother Where Out There. Oh sweet! I found it used at Village Vinyl, uh, where our good friend Bill O'Keefe occasionally fills in. Oh nice! Yeah, was he there? 
he was not there when I bought that, but when I went to record store day, he was working the door. Oh, cool. Um, and he's just the best. It's it's so nice to see him. Yeah, geez, I haven't seen him in so long. Yeah, yeah. He is um he's doing well. You know, he's he still has like what he's been working through, but uh he's doing great and positive attitude and just awesome guy. So it's right off Chicago in Mount. Oh, wow. Right, so by, right, right over across, by me. Yeah, yeah. Right across the street from Coonan's. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like there's that barbershop there yep, yep. and Village Vinyls right there. And that was the first, well, not the first. When I got the record, even before I got the record player, I went to Flipside, mm-hmm. which I hadn't been to in forever and still smells like patchouli <laughs> uh, or incense to cover marijuana. Uh, it's legal now, baby. It's legal now, baby. Then I'm not taking advantage of it. Neither have I. I'm not a. I'm not not for me anymore. There is a piece of me that's like, sure, sure, I should fine, but I'm also like, (laughs) but I'm also like, I have a a baby daughter. Yeah, no, I, I don't want to start smoking weed now. Why start? Yeah, why? Why? Yeah, now seems weird. There's no reason. There's no reason. It just seems like a weird time to start smoking pot. Yeah. Um. (laughs) <laughs> but um my father-in-law lent me his uh his sound system because he had it in boxes and he mm-hmm. was like I'm I'm not going to be able to do anything with this and he has like an anthem and anthem makes home theater stuff mm-hmm. and it is like fucking overkill. Oh, it's uh, gigantic. I I have like an overwhelming um home theater for a lot of people and yours is like four times the height of mine (laughs) yeah this thing is enormous and um and it's probably eight years old (coughs) oh wow yeah at this point i think he had it while right after we got married oh geez yeah so like this thing is like top of the line 2012 yeah it's crazy that thing is crazy but he he was like it's in a box i'm not using it Mm -hmm. and he's like buys macintosh stuff all the time Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. that's macintosh not mac right that you're used to from computers (laughs) right like this is the old solid state company yeah, yeah, yeah. That everything They're, is built like, you know, you could shoot a bullet through it and yeah, it's still going to play work. Led Zeppelin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he he lent it to me and I have it here, but he gave me two bipolar speakers, um, definitive technology speakers, and they 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 sound really nice. I would like a little bit more punchy bass and I don't mm-hmm. think those speakers have it cuz they're meant for a surround sound system. Right. Um, so I'm looking at some Elacs. Okay. Um, Elac is, uh, I want to say a f- German or a French company. I can't remember. I've read too much at this point. But basically, <laughs> a designer worked for Pioneer. Oh. And I think his name was Andrew. And he made like the best. They were trying to make a really expensive speaker. And he was that sounded good. And he was like, I don't want to make an expensive speaker. Mm-hmm. I want to make an affordable speaker, speaker that, that sounds, sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he did it with Pioneer, 
and then they were like, "Yeah, but we're shutting it down because, of course, oh, right, Pioneer shutting it down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because they're shutting everything down." And then he went to Elac and he did the same thing. Cool. And they have um they have a it's like a bookshelf or yeah I think that's what they call them, mm-hmm. bookshelf speaker system and it's like three hundred fifty dollars for the pair. Oh wow, that's cheap as fuck. And everybody's just like, "Holy shit!" Hmm. So. I might throw the Elax on that, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and see how those sound. Cool, because then and then it's pretty cheap. But like I've been looking at high end audio stuff, and it's exciting. But I'm just like, <laughs> where I get stuck, and it, it, you'll understand it. It's like, yeah, but how much am I really going to be listening to this? Yeah, I mean, I I listen to my stuff. Every day, you know, because I'm everything is connected to my TV. So if I'm playing PUBG, if I'm playing Hawken, if I'm watching movies, if I'm doing any of that stuff, it's all going through my home theater. So, um, every single thing gets used. Whereas this is like specifically two channel yep. hi fi yep, yep. for a record player, and it's yep. like. Part of me is just like, well, eventually I'll I'll have a bigger home where I can have both mm-hmm. a hi-fi room and a home theater room. And then I'm just like, that's ridiculous. And then the other part of me goes, no, it's not. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't think you ever saw the speakers that I bought. Um, But I, I was at Hawthorne one day um, with my mom and she was getting something. Um, She was getting... Uh, uh, what what do you call it? The thing that you put your TV on? Oh, a stand. Yeah, <laughs> but they they have like a an actual name, like the thing that you have over. Oh there. yeah yeah yeah, like a home entertainment council or yeah something yeah like that. yeah something yeah entertainment center I guess. Um, she was getting that for the the TV that they bought, and I just walked into their their home theater section, and they had a couple things that were like super clearance and i looked at these speakers and i'm blanking on the name of the company um not infinity not polk klipsch klipsch thank you um they were klipsch uh these speakers are like five and a half feet tall oh yeah they are gigantic Um, klipsch are fucking bright speakers yeah they you remember those Maxwell commercials for the tapes where like yeah. the guy was sitting and like the stuff was blown back? You know what that speaker was? What was it? A JBL. Oh, that's right. Um the I think that this if I would have bought it new, it would have cost me twelve hundred dollars for the set. Oh, for the set. Okay. It was not even close to that. And I talked the guy down even further. So I got them for a steal. Uh, and they are worth it. They are really great speakers. So when I turn it up. You better believe. Oh, yeah. it's Well, I watched. Uh, this is how deep in it I am. Mm-hmm. I'm watching all this YouTube stuff. <laughs> and if you ever just want to laugh at a guy who loves audio, check out Uptown Audio. Or, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's what it's called. He's a dealer out of california and he is like 
the Winnebago man. <laughs> okay. But like he's not as upset. But that kind of like personality, just yeah, yeah, like yeah. clippy. Mm-hmm. It's like you're, you're not gonna find a better system. We're gonna <laughs> you're gonna come in here and we're you're gonna leave. And we, none of these guys are on commission, okay? None of these guys are on commission. <laughs> we want to treat your system like our system. Mm-hmm. We don't do home theater here. We do two-channel. We are analog, baby. That's how we <laughs> like it. You know, like he's a mm-hmm. weird combination of like your dad, my dad, yeah. and the Winnebago <laughs> man. I'll have to play you some. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's crazy, but I like, he starts talking, and at first you're like, get out of here snake oil salesman (laughs) and then the next thing you know it's like no thank you uh the next thing you know i'm like well i mean i sure i kind of do want an all tube system (laughs) but what speakers can i use that are 30 watts (laughs) (laughs) well i still have that pioneer tube in my basement really Works, works like a charm here he is Hi, this is Kevin Deal from Upscale Audio, and today we're going to talk about the most exciting speaker release that I can remember ever, ever happening. The Focal Canta Number no. 2. Look at this speaker. It comes with removable grills that are fabulous magnetic grills, but they designed it to look just unbelievable without grills. I mean, I every really customer cool. that comes in, and specifically um, the significant others that come in, they fall in love with the looks of the speaker. And it's nice to fall in love with the looks, but the reason to buy the speaker is because of performance. I don't know what to, wait, let me just go through it with you. First of all, <laughs> See what I'm saying? Yeah, like, no, I, I do, I do. Like, you, you can't get it by just listening to it you have to watch this guy in his mannerisms he he does upscale audio excuse me upscale audio and he has like it's it's endless um (laughs) it is endless how many videos he has and each one is like um you know like this is to be to be fair though those speakers were really cool looking they were beautiful. Yeah, and Which I mean, like the, the speakers, those? the speakers that I have are are okay looking. I mean, like let me let me dial that back. They're not like the the faux wood particle board speakers that we used to have. These these are I mean these speakers weigh like forty pounds, fifty pounds a piece. They are they are not light. They they are accessories for your home. Oh yeah, this is like. So, guess how much those speakers are? Um, I would guess probably eight hundred piece, nine hundred piece. My friend, this is upscale audio. This is okay. Th- all this right, is, sorry, this sorry. is three thousand a piece. This is fucking insanity. Like, oh, I'm in California. I serve Los Angeles upscale audio. Okay. okay. I mean, sixteen hundred dollars. Oh, I guess. Oh, wait a minute. You said three thousand. Well, I I, I said eight hundred eight hundred a piece, and then you you laughed at me, and then I said three thousand. There, a pair is nine thousand dollars. Oh my god, forty five hundred dollars a piece. That is, that is steep. 
That's a little steep. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm not gonna pay it. <laughs> but I also like my speakers, so I don't need them. <laughs> well, that's this is the whole thing that I'm discovering. Number one, if you like it, who gives a shit? Yeah, that's that's rule number one. Yeah, I mean, if you if you if for the rest of your life you just wanted to eat like chicken sandwiches from Burger King, then go nuts. Or, or make fishes. <laughs> hey man, I I I texted you a couple weeks ago and I was like, I just ate a McFish. I get it, Matt. <laughs> they're delicious. They are. I mean, they're they're not the healthiest, but they are tasty. The the purpose of and this is uh, Reggie Watch talking about like high end audio. Because he had a friend who worked at a shop like this that, of course, was going out of business. Right. Because, <laughs> I mean, seriously, like, he is one of the biggest retailers in the country because he's one of the few that can that can weather the storm. Right, right, right. Because he's serving Los Angeles. <laughs> but what he said was, like, what all of this audio equipment is supposed to do is make the audio equipment disappear. Kind of what you were talking about mm-hmm. when Sarah's dad, oh yeah, yeah, played yeah, yeah that yeah. record for you, yeah, 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 and yeah. it was like, I am not in the club, and this feels like I'm in the club, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what it's supposed to do. It is, and for some people who don't have budgets and can do that, it's great. And then there's me, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, three hundred dollar pair of Elex. <laughs> well, but uh, you know. Like you said, it's what you like. It's what you like. That's the whole thing. It's like, we might, I'm not at a point in my life where I could do this, but we have a daughter. We, we are at the beginning of my daughter's life. Mm-hmm. We are saving for college. Mm-hmm. You got to be prepared. There's going to be another house besides this mm-hmm. eventually. You know, I cannot be stupid with my money. There's retirement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's all of that stuff. At the same time, in in three years, five years, ten years time, if I wanted to buy something, not a $10,000 pair of speakers, but yeah. like if I wanted to buy a new system, I'm going to buy that system. Yeah. And I think that's fine because I think it is where you put your money. There are people who have a boat. Yeah. And a boat, my brother who owns a boat will say, stands for break out another thousand. <laughs> Everything that you do to a boat yep. costs $1,000 to start. It's, it's not cheap. Some people race cars. Some people go to sporting events. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the most I've ever gone to the Tigers games because they suck right now. And she, tickets are super cheap. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've gone to two Tigers games this season. Oh, I'm going in the next couple of weeks because work is taking us. That's both work events. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, but like when a sports team is doing well, mm-hmm. like we bought Lions tickets and even they weren't doing great and they were super expensive. Oh, yeah. They're they're not cheap. They're not for, for everyday folk. <laughs> but people buy season tickets and yeah. like um, Catherine's aunt and uncle have season tickets for the Red Wings right now. Oh. And they have sold off. They found a partner to sell off half of their tickets oh, to. Wow. Because it was too expensive. Like yeah. they were like, number one, the wings aren't the wings. They're they're not the wings that we knew. No, <laughs> no. I mean, like they're they're struggling right now. They're re, they're in a rebuilding phase, and 
you know what like, Detroit team is not in a rebuilding phase? Yeah, they're all, they're all they're all in rebuilding phase. The Pistons, the Tigers, the Lions, the Red Wings, all of yeah. them. Yeah, all usually one of them's good. Yeah, one of them's doing okay at the least. But like, I guess where I land is like right now. I want the best sound that I can get in this space, and I'm super happy with the Sonos. And I'm super happy with... They sound good. I'm super happy with what Tim gave me. Mm -hmm. And it was like perfect for like moderate levels. Yeah. It's when I turn it up that I hear like, it's not exactly what I want to be. That's one of the cool things about those clips is you can turn them up. Oh, yeah. Those things are made to rock. no distortion. (laughs) They 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 are also a clip dealer. And they make beautiful speakers, mm-hmm. not just the the ones that like. What the garbage ones that I have is that what you're getting? The at? Fucking <laughs> pieces of shit that you a lot. I will see you on the PUBG battlefield. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were gonna be buddies. I am going to immediately shoot you in the back. <laughs> no, this is what's cool about Klipsch is like he sells Klipsch at Upscale Audio, and they have the ones that are five hundred each. Mm-hmm. He isn't like. No, they're bullshit. He has good, but he also yeah, has... Yeah, and you, you have to have your entry-level stuff. Like, your entry-level high-end, I guess? Yeah. Is. The entry... It's, it's the door in. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, I'm not going to say by any means that mine are, like... Reference, or... Yeah, my, my, mine, are, mine are not the things that you would go to a rich person's house and see. But for, like, me, those are, those are pretty damn good speakers. But he also has the clips La Scala 2, which are four thousand dollars each. And they're and also look- kind of ugly looking. They look they look like something that you would have had in your basement in, in the eighties. Yeah, seventies or eighties that like it looks like a microwave on top of an empty cabinet. It is it is not the most attractive speaker. But then they have the clips <laughs> clipshorn. That looks like a cabinet. That does not look like a speaker. Which is $7,500 each. Oh, jeez. And this just looks like a dresser yeah, with what the a grill. Fuck? So, I don't know. All I know is dreaming about it's really fun. Yeah. It, oh, yeah. Like, Matt, I, I have thought so many times about what I would do if I got a new house. And there was like a central room. Maddie, I would take that central room and that's where I would put all my stuff. Like if it wasn't just like a tiny closet, if it was like even half or like three quarters of the distance of your basement mm-hmm. room that we're in, I would buy curtain rods and I would put the curtain rods all along the walls and I would put black curtains up cuts down on the the bounce back from the walls oh, yeah. right i will put my speakers in all the right locations i would put my tv up i would i would do that room up right and that would be where i would watch stuff where i would play pubg and shit like i've i've thought about that like you you think about all the things that you'd love to do and it would be so much fun but like you know, I'm not buying a new house anytime soon. I still, no. I still owe on this one. So, yeah, no, I mean, I'm the same way. I'm like five feet that way. 
Yeah, yeah. And, oh boy, that opens up a world because then I move this over here and then I put the TV against the wall. Yep, yep, it's because yep. there's also two things that I think about. There's the home theater setup. So I looked at Eclipse. They had a Atmos setup. Oh man, um, I watched. Uh, there's a delivery company installing company from Texas that puts videos online, mm-hmm. and he did an Atmos setup oh, to an 85 uh, inch Panasonic. Oof. And it had two fucking subs. Yeah, that's... Atmos has two subs. Yeah, I th- I, oh God, it's like 10.2 or some shit. 11.2. It's, or 11.2. Um, uh, the, the thing that upset me when I bought my receiver, which is 7.1, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it The model that I bought the next year... They were no longer doing like true HD and shit like that. They were doing Atmos. I missed Atmos by one year. I missed 4K um, HDMI switching in the receiver by one year. But that was the receiver that I wanted. So I got it. And I don't regret it. Because the next one that I get, you know, it's going to be fucking 8k switching and, and it's going to be cheaper too yeah yeah i mean and I, I got this one for a steal too because i bought it on amazon and i used my discover points which is that's typically what i do is i just let my discover points accumulate until i get something where i want to buy it and then i buy it yeah this guy had an onkyo 11.2 atmos and he just he did he put like speakers in the ceiling. Yes, that, that that was one of the things that I thought about like in my in my room, my dream room. <laughs> yep, he had the seat. He had the and then he ran like an Atmos uh, demo. Oh that man, was fucking sweet. Yeah. All right, I, all right. I could talk about this stuff. All yeah, night. So I'm super I. excited about high end audio. I guess. Yeah. Well, you you know me. I've I, I've had the same interest for the past twenty six, twenty seven years. So get it dude let's open up that floundering high-end audio shop <laughs> uh you can get in contact with us at matters pod i am at matt noss on twitter i am at karate dracula on twitter and instagram uh thanks for joining us and we hope you're well and we'll see you on the next episode of matters the stray <laughs> you you really had good diction on that one that was Thank good you. <laughs>